<laughs> All right. Man, I, I'm so intimidated right now to get up here. That guy's just so attractive. <laughs> Man, I don't even know if I can stand on this stage. But uh, anyway, good to see you guys. Are you excited about uh, gathering on Wednesdays? I know, I am. It's going to be, listen, it's, it's, uh, it's just going to be raw and it's going to be real. And uh, we don't have child care, so bring your kids. You remember those days when you're allowed to color pictures in a coloring book on the ground while your parents worshiped, you know? Um, maybe it was just the Brother in Christ church that I uh, grew up in. But one of my best memories is my brother Philip and I laying under the pews, playing with our Star Wars characters while my dad preached. I remember this one time my, my dad said something like, he made this big aggressive statement like, now would you follow me? And Philip, who had, uh, I, I don't know, like Luke Skywalker against Darth Vader like above his head, he just screamed for the whole church to hear, no! You know, so... Um, <laughs> I just, I want those days back a little bit. Like every, this is not a performance here. Kids screaming, that, that's good. So, um, so Wednesday night's just going to be really simple. We are going to be meeting on the first and the third. And then if there's a fifth, uh, first, third, and fifth, okay? And so we're just going to get going a little bit. We're going to see how it goes. We're going to navigate. We don't have all the answers right now. What I do know is there's a hunger in this church for more of God. And we want to get together and we, we want to, we're going to have really good teaching. We're going to worship with all of our hearts. But if we're worshiping and we just need to go all night long, we're going to go all night long. That's what Wednesday nights are going to be like. And then we want to teach, but we also want to have time to practice what we're learning. And so if we're teaching on the prophetic or we're teaching on prayer, we're preaching on something, we want to stop and we want to begin to activate some of those things and practice some of those things, not just being hearers, but being doers as well. Amen. All right, so that's what that is going to be. And also, I just brought this up. This is Experiencing Father's Embrace. This is the book. Um, this is one of the, I, I would say, top ten books that um, if you don't have this in your library that you should have that, that I would recommend to you. I think everybody at Providence uh, should read this book. It will change your life. This is the book that got me so obsessed with the, um, with the prodigal son uh, story that I couldn't not preach on the prodigal son, even when I tried. Um, if we're in 2019, if you were around then, I think I, I chased a lot of people off because they're like, there's more than the father's heart. And I was like, no, there's not. You know, so um, if you don't, if the father's heart annoys you, you're a Pharisee. All right. So anyway, oh, that came off strong, uh, but it's true. Truth hurts. Anyway. All right, guys. So good things are happening. Um, can we just, just take a moment just to pause? And can we boss our hearts around for a moment and say, and just tell our hearts, I don't care what bill is coming. I don't care what things hanging over my head. I don't care about the argument I had last night or this morning. I don't care about the, the, the sin that the enemy constantly wants to remind me of. Jesus is bigger than all these things. And there's going to be nothing that holds me back right now from receiving what God has for me in this moment. Amen. Can we just tell our hearts that we're going to receive Receiving God's heart is not based on, on your perfection. It's based on Jesus's. There is grace for you to receive from God this morning. Even under the, the preaching of just, a, I, listen, I'm a regular guy. This stage scares me to death. I promised God when I was a young kid, I would never be a pastor, but here I am. And that is just the humor of God. That is just the kingdom of God. He's taking the least likely and, and he, he's putting them where they didn't even want to go. But just say, God just has our yes. That's all he wants. That's all he needs. Amen. All right, so we're going to go after it today. I was uh, surprised last week when I just kind of rolled out Psalm 127 
It had been ministering to me for a while, and it was child dedication. I know there are a lot of parents. I know that Psalm 127 speaks to a generation, but it also encourages parents in some significant ways. And I just wanted to roll that out. And the response that we got from just a real simple uh, message was, uh, was startling to me, encouraging to me, but startling to me. And I, I just started wrestling with God a little bit this week and started being prompted, being led, being drawn, just to talk a little bit more about uh, the, the, in the direction uh, where we kind of broke the ice last week. And I want parents to be encouraged. Uh, and I do think that we need to do a series in the days to come on, on parenting, but not just parenting, on relationships in general, like marriage. I, I think we need to call the series something like, you know, let's make this spicy. Um, let's, I think we need to talk about all of the stuff, okay? But this morning, I want to talk more about rest, okay? I want to talk more about rest. I believe that rest is, is one of the, the least lived in but biggest blessings uh, of the kingdom, okay? I believe that God wants us to rest more. You know who gets the glory when we're operating from rest instead of from toil? is Jesus. Um, someone that wants to toil all their life and then you know, wave their accomplishments around, uh, that's not kingdom, okay? So God, God wants us to rest more. There's a glory in rest that God wants us to operate in. And there's also, rest is one of the main things that the religious spirit loves to hide behind or loves to kind of go stealth uh, around, okay? And you see often when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, uh, it is often about, Rest. Rest is involved in some capacity. And so I don't know if there's a religious spirit trying to creep in. A religious spirit creeps into to money and finances. Uh, religious, and it usually looks like fear or control. Uh, religi the religious spirit creeps in in lots of other ways. Religious spirit creeps in in annoyance during worship. When you believe that suddenly the Holy Spirit is leading you to judge other people's expression or lack of expression right? That is never from God, okay? That is a religious spirit, and he, he, he needs to go where Jesus tells him to. We all know where that is, right? All right, three of you do, and I like it. You three are my, my homies today, all right? But uh, today, I want to talk about this. I, I believe that we're allowing the religious spirit to live and live well when we don't partner up with God's heart and the scriptures on biblical rest, or what we would call Sabbath, okay? Everybody say Sabbath, all right, it's not a bad word, it's a biblical word. Uh, it is a word that we find in the Old Testament, but, the, but I'm not talking from the Old Testament today, okay? I'm talking about a kingdom principle, not an Old Testament rule or regulation that we have to follow to get God to like us or to earn our own righteousness. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? I'm talking about a kingdom principle, and the word Sabbath just means to, to stop from work, Okay? That's what Sabbath means, just to stop from work or to rest. Now, the heart behind that is what I want to dig into today. And so let me, let me start with where we started last week. It was Psalm 127. I'm just going to read the first two verses. Listen to this. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Listen to verse 2 as well. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Now, there, that is, there is so much 
packed into those two verses. There is so much, but the main thing that we drew out of last week was it doesn't matter how hard you work. It doesn't matter how hard you believe in something. It doesn't matter how hard you toil on something. It doesn't matter if you skip sleep to get something done. Uh, it, it, it is all for nothing, or in other words, it is all in vain unless God is in it, on it, around it, and for it. Okay? It does not matter how much, li listen, you can have a real heart for something, but if you devote your whole life to a something that God never assigned to you, all right, that was just a vain something, all right? It was not a heavenly assignment. It was not an assignment from God's heart. The best thing is when we spill our lives out on the calling, on the destiny, on the assignment that God has put on our lives, not on just our own man-made small dreams, okay? And so the real question here is, is what, you are giving your, is what you're giving your life to a God assignment, or is it just you, listen, toiling? Now, toil is what this world knows. This, that's how you get something done. You toil. It means the wind in your sails. What is driving your life is toil. In other words, it is, it is hurry. And uh, the one author that I read, uh, she says that uh, only amateurs hurry. All right, we, we don't even know what that means. We scratch our heads at that. It doesn't even sound real to us. That's because we have departed so far from a biblical and a kingdom understanding of what Sabbath is. So what is in our sails, what gets us going in the morning is not toil, it's not stress, it's not hurry, it's not worry. It's not fear. It's not anxiety. What gets us going is something altogether different than that, right? And so we talked about that last week, and it's interesting that, that the psalmist says, it's in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest. In other words, that you get the least amount of sleep possible. Eating the bread of anxious toil, that is what drives a person not operating a Sabbath. For he, that's God, gives to his beloved sleep. So there's a way to sleep like the beloved, all right? There's a rest for the beloved that God wants to give as a gift to us today, and I want us to get that gift. How many people want that gift, all right? Now, so here's, here's how God, here's what God says that you're supposed to do. Here's what you were supposed, God doesn't use the word toil or stress or worry or, you know, be anxious. He actually says be anxious about nothing. Anxiety is not supposed to be the driving force of our lives. We're going to wrestle with it, but there's something better to drive us than it, right? And here's what God says. Here's the one thing that I want you to do with your life. Here's what's most import, important to me. It is it's not building cities on your own. It's not building buildings on your own. It's not watching over towns on your own. It's not whatever you're, you're driving on your own. Here's the main thing that I want you to do. Here's what matters most to me. And look at this. is Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It's been a life verse to me. And it's, it's guarded me from a lot of bad decisions. But, uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. I'm reading in the ESV, but I am going to quote it then in the, in the NIV. It says this, it says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. The NIV, I grew up reading the NIV, and the NIV says this, and this is kind of what's, what's seared or tattooed on my heart, on my soul. It's above all else, guard your heart. Okay, above all else, guard your heart. Now you hold Proverbs 23 up to Psalm 127, and you look at the person being driven by toil, and then you look at the person that knows what it is to value what is the most valuable possession that you have, and that is your soul. And you hold the two up. And God says, hey, I don't want you toiling for stuff. I'm going to provide it for you. What I want you to do is I want you to live a life 
that with all the strength that you've got and then all the supernatural strength that I give you, I, I want you to keep your heart. Or the word keep your heart is, is the idea of keeping watch over like a shepherd keeps his sheep or her sheep. This is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to shepherd your soul. If, if you have to pick one thing, that is the one thing, all right? It's very similar to Psalm 27, 4. One thing have I asked, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Now, they're the same concept here because, because it is what your heart loves, values, treasures, wants, desires. That is the most important part of your life. Uh, the religious spirit or religiosity would tell us that what God wants most is obedience, but your heart doesn't even have to be in obedience. Did you know that? You can obey divorced from your heart. But God is looking, listen, God is not looking for good obeyers. He's looking for people that have a heart after him. The, the, uh, the scriptures actually say the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the earth looking for those who are fully committed or fully devoted to him. In other words, he's just looking at your heart. When, when Samuel came to anoint the new king, of Israel. He went through a bunch of the tall boys, a bunch of, the, uh, of Jesse's sons. He went through the, the tall ones, the oldest ones, the ones that seemed the best, but none of them had God's attention. You know who, who had God's attention? It's the, the, the redhead young guy out in the field, good enough just to keep the sheep. David. And this David, he, he is known for his heart. So keep your heart with all vigilance or, or above all else, guard your heart. And in other words, your life has to you, have to, you have to keep or you have to shepherd your soul. You have to guard your heart and that has to be your priority. Why? It's because you live from your heart. You know that, that, that the words that come out of your mouth, you mean every one of them. Many of us have gotten ourselves off the hook because we've said something to our spouse or something to our kids, and we say, no, 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 oh, no, no, I, I didn't mean that. Well, yes, you did. So the Bible says that every word that comes out of your mouth originated in your heart. So when you're in a pressure situation and you say things that weren't polite or that were, that were rude that you wish you could take back, listen to this. Repentance is the only option here, all right? Because you have to take responsibility for every word that came out of your mouth. You know why? It came out of your heart, you see. Your mouth is just like the, the window. Your mouth is just the door of your heart. So the Bible says to keep your heart, to watch over your heart with all diligence, with, with all vigilance, watch over your heart. Now your heart is, your, is, is another word for your soul. So when we say heart, we, we mean soul, it's, it's, interchange, it's interchangeable here. Your soul or your heart is the seat of your mind, your emotion, your wills, your will. In other words, what you really want comes from your heart. What you really feel comes from your heart. What you really think comes from your heart. Who you really are, you have to look at your heart. It's not your, your, uh, you know, your exterior. It's not how you've, you've, you've forced yourself to, to look in the gym. It is what is actually going on on the inside of you. That is your heart. And the, the call of God is to keep your heart, to guard your heart with all diligence, with all vigilance, because you live from your heart. You speak from your heart. It's so important. With all vigilance, as your most important priority, your most important priority is your heart because your whole life flows from your heart. You can only, uh, you can only disguise the world from the real you for so long, but the real you eventually comes out. That's why in 3 John, did you know there was a 3 John? There's, a, there's John the Gospel, and then the same author 
that John the Apostle wrote, the Gospel of John, then 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. 3 John is the shortest book in the Bible. It's not Philemon, it's actually 3 John. Did you know there was a Philemon, guys? All right, did you know this stuff? Are you, you in the scriptures, I hope? That's a great way to guard your heart, all right? Uh, but 3 John, verse 2, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this, just kind of, let's get this word for word here, right? 3 John, verse 2, it's a letter from the, John the Apostle to uh, uh, a friend named Gaius, and it says this, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. You hear that? Let me just read it again. It's 3 John. I still hear the pages turn. I like that. Let's find it together. 3 John chapter, well, there's a one chapter. It's just 3 John verse 2. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Now, um, if, if you study the scriptures and you get into some commentaries, you, you may uh, discover that you know, all may go well with you, that, it, that you may be in good health, that that is just a, a common greeting of the day. And yes, it is a common greeting of the day, but it doesn't mean that it's untrue. <laughs> just because it's a common greeting doesn't, know, doesn't mean that it's untrue. And here, what John the Apostle is, is wanting for his friend is that he would be in good health, that it would be going well with him, and that his soul would be good. All right? Because his health and, and his wellness, it's flowing from the inside. All right? It's not, our wellness is not a reaction to what's on the outside. Uh, our, our wellness is, a, is, is an inside job. It starts at the soul level. Okay? Now, the concern comes in because I think, I think much of our attention, much of our teaching, much of our living has nothing to do with the soul. It has most to do with the outside stuff. Okay? Now, I'm going somewhere with this. So as, in other words, let me say it this way. If God's saying, hey, priority number one, shepherd your soul. Priority number one, guard your heart. I want you to keep, I want you to keep your heart with all vigilance. That is number one for me. I, 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 want, I want it to go well from the inside out. I want to start with your heart. Um, well, what do you keep your heart from? What is the problem here? All right? Now, this is where it gets really exciting because... Because often when we talk about Sabbath, and that's the word that you repeated back to me, it means to stop or to rest. Many times when we talk about sa Sabbath, we fill in our own definition of what we think Sabbath is. And maybe some of us have an idea of Sabbath from maybe a really legalistic tradition or denomination when we grew up where you weren't allowed to have fun, you weren't allowed to do anything. Sabbath seems like the stupidest thing you've ever heard. And listen, that is not it, all right? On a Sabbath day, you, you, should, you should max out fun. Okay? In other words, whatever helps you have the most fun, that's what you should do. All right? That's real Sabbath. I'm jumping ahead of myself. Others of us, we think that, that it, um, I don't know, binging a horrible Netflix show is Sabbath. So, hey, what are you doing? I just, I don't know. And you name the show, you're just watching you know, Game of Thrones. I'm just, you know, it's my Sabbath. I'm just doing a marathon here. Well, that's not Sabbath. That will kill your soul fast. All right. Yeah. So, in other words, let me say this. That, that in place of Sabbath, we have learned to zone, not rest. All right? And the reason that we've learned to zone is because we don't actually trust that God wants what's best for us. We actually don't trust God 
with our jobs, with our families, all right? And what we've done is we've made ourselves so busy that the only thing that we have capacity for and energy for is just zoning. We live in a world of distraction, and what helps us zone are these new devices that we have. Have you seen the statistics for the amount of hours that we spend looking at a digital device compared to actually resting? All right. The first thing that many of us do when we get up in the morning is we stare at a digital device. That, that listen to this. It is destroying your soul. It's destroying your soul. All right. So, but but we get up and we we call it zoning. Like, hey, I need some me time, and we watch stuff that only puts holes in our hearts and lets our hearts leak from anything that is good to it. And comparison comes in and all this stuff. And we, call, we call it, we're resting, we're zoning. I just want to, but it is life on fumes. And then we think it's spiritual. All right. Do you know that the, the number one desired job in Gen Z is being a YouTuber? You know, man, what a legacy, guys. I just want to say, good job. Guys, we've got, we've got, listen, listen, I think that God wants Christians tearing up YouTube. I'm, I'm telling you. He wants, listen, he want, God wants to, his kingdom to inhabit every corner of the globe, and, including the digital world. All right? But I just want to say to a generation, God's got bigger dreams than helping people numb and draining their souls. He wants to, be, he wants to use you to be a life giver in a generation of, of darkness and zoning. All right? But many of us, we, we live on media, and, and often why, here's why zoning feels safer to us than real biblical Sabbath is because silence scares us, and because if we're silent long enough, the, statistically, people can only handle 15 seconds of silence before they start going weird. 15 seconds, all right? That's not good. One of, one of the, the uh, for lack of a better word, one of the spiritual disciplines that we have, all right? So we discipline ourselves with what we eat and going to the gym. As soon as we come to church, we can't talk about disciplines, right? But, uh, but I think there's a better word for discipline. But one of the rhythms, let's call it, that God wants to meet us in is silence. Silence. Do, do you remember the days when you drive in a station wagon on vacation and the only thing you could do is look out the window, watch trees go by, and think? Do you remember that? Well, listen, I, I tell you, they existed not long ago. All right? And what I'm telling you now is now we've got, we've got Bluetooth connections to, you know, HD screens in the back of vehicles. We've got stuff, and, 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 if, and many times we're watching that while we're on this at the same time. All right? And I'm just saying, guys, it is not good for your soul. The, the, sound, the sound of silence is necessary if you're going to be a Christ follower. All right? Um, decision fatigue. Our world is going through, listen, we, we have so many decisions that face us every single day. And I promise you, watching 57 minutes of Insta Reels will not give you what you need to make the decisions that, you are, that, that, that are coming your way whether you like it or not. All right? So many times we're zoning, we're not receiving a thing. Our heart is actually being robbed of God. All right? And then we still have to make the decision on less than we started with. All right? So the, the thing is, when you Sabbath, God wants to fill you up and He wants to give you Holy Spirit insight into situations that you, would, that you can't get through a real. Okay? 
I, I still feel in my life that I'm still not recovered from, from COVID. Not the sickness. I, I had it at least twice. But I, I mean the season. Just all the stuff. And there's some things that you, you only recover by intentional rest. Not rest, uh, not a binge watch in front of something. I mean a, a rest in Jesus where he becomes your delight again and you operate from that place. All right? So God is calling us to, to guard our hearts. And, and, and this, in this world that we live in, it is more important than ever because a worldly mentality of rest and a worldly mentality of work has absolutely taken over. And we call rest zoning and, and, we, and we call stress godly. Okay? I, I read, a, uh, I read a, um, an article on, uh, on uh, American pioneers and when the West was being won. And pioneers were, were uh, like fleeing Europe and they were coming over to the United States. And they were, this is the time in history when they were starting in St. Louis, Missouri. And they were going west to try to, just, to get to Oregon to discover Montana and all of the, you know, all the, the amazing stuff out west. And what happened is there were Christians that were traveling. This is a true story. There were Christians that were traveling. They started in, uh, in St. Louis and they, they started traveling. But they, they kept stopping every Sunday to Sabbath, and they wouldn't travel, travel on the Sabbath, all right? And what happened is there was a group of them that started saying, hey, we're not going to get, like, the, the wind, this is the, the, this is the fall, and so we're not going to get to Oregon by the winter, and the winter will kill us if we keep resting on Sundays. Like, I, I'm saying that we, we, need to, we need to just kind of catch this wave, all right? We've got a, a small window of time here, and we need to travel every day, seven days a week. We've got to go, all right? And so that split the camp, and it, it, this, is, this is where denominationalism entered, all right? And so everybody who's here, not Sabbathing, come with me. We're going to beat it, all right? We're going to get to Oregon before winter. And the other people that said, no, no, we actually want to operate in the kingdom principle of Sabbath, and we want to take God as at his word, and we want to have a day where we rest, and we want to operate from rest, travel from rest, and just trust Jesus with the journey, even if we hit winter. All right, that we're going to stay. Now, do you know that what happened is that the, is that the group that Sabbathed got to Oregon first? Okay? Just you know, look up my history because four, four of you believed me. I felt that. Because it doesn't seem like, like that is even possible. It is not mathematical. If you've got one group that's traveling seven days and another group that's traveling six days, how is that possible? I'm saying it's, it's not possible. It's supernatural. And God wants you living a supernatural life, not a possible one. All right? It's not what's possible to you. It is, it is what is impossible to you, but very possible with God. And God says, that, how do you take a little boy's lunch and, and feed 20,000 people with it? Like, that's an impossibility. It takes a supernatural miracle, and God knows how to create fish and bread in time. All right? And it's also, though, it's speaking to an idea that you can get more done working from rest than exhausting yourself and toiling. All right? So you can actually gain more ground when you're rested and going. All right? Now, I want to talk about a few things about Sabbath that, that Sabbath does. And number one, I've already mentioned this a little bit, but let's just hit it again. And I want to show you this from Scripture, that Sabbath 
um, actually exposes the religious spirit. I'm telling you guys, you talk about the father heart of God, you get enemies. You talk about uh, giving or tithing or whatever, you get massive enemies. Um, you talk about, there's a lot of things in church, you talk about uh, worshiping with your emotions. You know, you get, you, snipers come out on that one, all right? Uh, you get more than enemies, you get headshots. Uh, but uh, I want to talk about here that the reality that Sabbath exposes the religious spirit. Matthew, listen, I, I didn't put this on the screen, I don't think, but Matthew chapter 11, verse verse. 28, this is, this is what Jesus is saying, and it's a precious promise from Jesus. Just let me read this to you. It says, Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your, listen, for your souls. You will find rest for your souls. All right? Can, can a binge watching anything promise that? I don't think so. All right, and then for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to talk about this just, just for a minute because the, the, the labor and the burdens, if you read this passage in context that Jesus is talking about, is not just the labor and burden of, of working really hard, being a bricklayer or being a farmer or being a whatever you are or whatever you do. All right, the burdens that Jesus was talking about in this context are the burdens of the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the, and the scribes that are heaping rules that God didn't even give to people and telling them that these rules are godly. And what it does is it crushes, it crushes. Pharisees and scribes, they weren't, they weren't talking to people's hearts. They were trying to get people to fall in line with how they wanted the world. And so here Jesus is saying, hey, my yoke is, is not a constrictive. My yoke does not burden you down with rules. My, my yoke actually brings rest and healing and life to the soul, to the soul. And what happens is you start talking about, about resting and suddenly the religious spirit gets aggravated and starts trying to push people back down because you can control rules. You can't control God, you see. Do you know, it's easier to obey rules heartlessly than it is to, to walk and follow God supernaturally to, to just the regular person. All right, you have to have a supernatural encounter with the Holy God to actually begin to walk after him. And if you haven't had that, then all you can do is make a list of rules and check those puppies off. But you know what that does is it ruins your heart. The, the book of Mark, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, I love this one. Look at this. Again, he, that's Jesus, entered the synagogue and a man was there. And hold on, hold on one second. I mean, I'm just feeling like a, like a prompt here. I still want to speak to this, okay? And this is, this is just, this is off. But I want you to recognize that Jesus entered the synagogue, all right? Okay, so all of this talk about this gathering here doesn't matter. It matters just what we do in our homes or out in the streets. That's not biblically accurate. This gathering matters. We, we shouldn't knock this to elevate the other. There's enough room in the kingdom where it, it is all important. And Jesus entered the synagogue even where these, these crazy people called Pharisees were, and he ministered in that context. I would rather see us talking about redeeming and getting back a heartbeat for the presence of God when we gather publicly than saying how much we don't need it. All right? All right. That was free. All right? That was, that was just so free for you. Okay, listen. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand, and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. <laughs> Do you see this? 
So what the Pharisees are doing is they're weaponizing the Sabbath. That's it. The Sabbath is not a weapon. They're watching Jesus to see what he does on the Sabbath, all right? Because it was against their rules that they made. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you can't heal on the Sabbath day, all right? But, but the Pharisees started in order to properly obey the Old Testament law. They made their own law to really help, which actually constricted. So they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. Now that is a massively different interpretation of the Sabbath. All right? Where Jesus is saying, no, no, the, the Sabbath, the question is not what is work. Jesus is saying, the question on the Sabbath is what is good. You see? That's, that is the question. What, is, what good can I do today? Not, not how little can I do today. Look at verse 5. And he looked around them with anger. You want to know what makes Jesus angry? Jesus gets angry. Religious people that would rather obey man-made rules than see someone walk in healing. Walk in freedom. Someone that says, no, no, we've got to obey our man-made rules that we prize and treasure more than Jesus, than this person that is suffering and we have the power to see him set free. That ticks Jesus off in a massive way. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved. Listen, here's, here's the problem. You know, Proverbs 4.23, here it is. He's grieved at their hardness of heart. It was not well with their soul. They did not shepherd their own souls. They let their souls get so hard and dry and stale just by following rules that drain the soul rather than be a, place, a source of life that is actually in touch with God. All right? And he looked around them. And with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to them, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out immediately, held counsel with the Herodians against him on how to destroy him. Listen to this. The Pharisees want to kill Jesus because he healed a man in a synagogue on the Sabbath. All right? Now, this is, this is when, when you've, and this, this, it pops its head up today. You get angry at somebody because they didn't follow the rules that you value the most. And you actually have bitterness in your heart towards another person. This is the religious spirit. That, that, because they didn't do church your way. Wow. That is a heart of bitterness. Wow. That is a heart that is stone hard. That is a heart that has not been shepherded. The, uh, a heart that has the spirit of God living and alive in it that's been shepherded and guarded gets excited when somebody gets healed. Not angry. Not, and, and this is a big concern of mine for the evangelical church. We read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and we see healing after healing after healing. But today when we talk about it, we like, whoa, 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 Nelly. How dare the church operate in what Jesus did? <laughs> How dare the church operate in what the apostles did? That's for then. <laughs> wow, man. Like, and that is the one time, biblically speaking, where you're allowed to punch. That's great. It's great. That's what I found. It's, it's, it's good for the soul. All right, to hit a person operating in that. That might have been the apocrypha, I'm not sure. It's somewhere. I, I don't know, a weird translation. But do, do, are you guys hearing what I'm saying? 
that there, there's a religious spirit that doesn't want people to rest or Sabbath the way that God has designed it. You know what the Sabbath does? The Sabbath sets broken people free. Hurt people free. That's what happens on the Sabbath. It, we, the question we answer on the Sabbath is, what is the most good that we can do today? All right? Listen to this, though. Sabbath, we have to start seeing Sabbath not as a rule we follow, but as a rhythm we walk in. All right? When you look at, at how God created the heavens and the earth, but specifically the earth in six days, and I talked about this last week a little bit, you start to see that God is not setting up rules. He's setting up rhythms. All right? And many of us, we know how to obey rules, and, uh, but it, is it the rhythm of our life? Rhythms create health. Rules are like one time, all right? Rules are one time. So let's talk about Generosity Sunday. It can either be a big encounter. $166,000 is what came in in one week. That, what, what will show us, and I'm excited about that, but that can just be like a big Sunday, or it can be a rhythm, and a rhythm of generosity is, is when you walk in that daily, not just celebrate what happened two weeks ago. All right? So we'll see if we've got a heart of generosity as the year goes on. All right? Not what we did just one Sunday, but as the year goes on, we will see if, if God unlocked our hearts as a way of life. And the way of life is important. And I would say that these, these, there's moments, these experiences that activate, when what they're doing is they're activating a way of life. Or they're just giving you a one-time experience. And the one-time experience is where the, is where the uh, religious spirit can come back in because the religious spirit always points back to, look what God did two weeks ago. You're good. You don't need your life to be changed because two weeks ago you gave $1,000. In 84, you rocked. Right? Do you remember church in the mid-90s? That was sick. Right? It's awesome. You were, you were unstoppable. But the real question is, did the mid-90s mid and 84 and two weeks ago actually change your life today so you're more like Jesus? That is, that is what rhythms do. Rhythms do. Let me talk about this. I'm going to get real vulnerable here for a moment and, and real personal for a second. Okay, and uh, I, I'm not scared. I'm, I'm just going to I'm just giving you a warning shot because you're going to feel awkward with what I'm about to say. But I have found all of my life I've, I've always struggled with my weight. All right. That's not a question. That's a statement. All right. I'm not looking for people to say no. You know, I, I'm, I'm just telling you. All right. Always struggled with, with my weight. And it's been easy for me to drop 20 or 30 pounds in a month if I go keto and and you know rest 20, 30 pounds come off. But all month long, I'll be dreaming, <laughs> fantasizing, speeding the day. Like I, I can just have a stinking brownie again. You know what I'm saying? All right. I will literally, you know, drool will begin to come out of my mouth just thinking about Perkins pancakes. I don't know why I don't even eat them, but just like something about them. All right. And so what happens is I will drop 30 pounds and then suddenly I would just go back to life how it was and it just come right back. All right. So, um, so I'm, talk I'm talking about Sabbath as a rhythm because if you want to operate in Sabbath, you're going to have to say, this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. It's not a one-time thing. It is, it, I'm going to start growing in this, all right? Uh, so I want to define rhythms a, a little bit because life happens in rhythms, all right? So when you learn to drive, you don't go out and drive for 15 minutes 
and then come back and say, I'm good, right? You, there's a rhythm. You have to start getting on a schedule. You have to start learning, and that is how you grow. You grow through uh, rhythms. If you want to get good at a certain skill, you don't practice it once, you have to practice as a way of life, all right? And I talked about losing weight. You don't say no to brownies one time and then say, why, not, why are I not ripped, all right? Or why am I not ripped, all right? I'm telling you, there's, there's a ripped statue under this. <laughs> I'm telling you. And I hope that the world gets blessed by one day seeing this gorgeous statue <laughs> that wants to come out. But I'm going to have to get in a rhythm, all right? So, so Sabbath is a rhythm where you're going to have to take your life and you're going to have to say, okay, here's, here's what it looks like for me. From about Sunday afternoon until Monday afternoon, that is my Sabbath. I try to stay away from my phone as much as I can except to play Clash of Clans, all right? Do things that are fun. And that is, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to guard this time because I want to be filled up in God and I want to terrorize the coming week. All right? But also, listen, Sabbath is, is found in every single day. All right? If you work till 1 in the morning, then get up at 5. All right? Listen, your, your soul is not well. Okay? It is not well. And God wants to give you rhythms in every day that there's no matter what you didn't get done, there's a time in the day where you stop. And you say, God, I didn't get it done, but I trust you more than my ability to work. You see? Now, now listen to this, though. And, and I, I really like this one. I'll, I'll just leave you with this. Is that we need to start seeing Sabbath as a gift. It's, listen, it is a tool, not a rule. You hear this? Like, Sabbath is a tool for you. Sabbath serves you. You don't serve the Sabbath. You serve a man named Jesus. He's the best, all right? All right? You don't serve a concept. You serve a man. And, and so Sabbath is a, is a gift. It is a tool to bless your life and bring glory to God. It is not a rule that God is, is just pounding on you to follow, all right? He wants you to follow because he wants what's best for you. So Sabbath is like this. It's a, well, let me read this. It's Mark chapter 2. Just kind of flip over. We were, we were just there. Mark chapter 2, 23 to 28. Listen to this. One Sabbath... He was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence. Now, you have to really study this passage to understand all that stuff. If you don't have a, a, a context for this, you know, I just want you to hear. I'm going to make a main point, but you should study this. and I think you find it interesting and uh, life-giving. But uh, he ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. So in other words, David, the man after God's own heart, allowed himself and his whole army to break the law. That's a refreshing thought. Listen to this, verse 27. And he said to them, the Sabbath, this is Jesus speaking to the, to the scribes and the Pharisees. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So do you know that we, we, we serve the Lord, we don't serve a day. And the Sabbath, was, the Sabbath was made, so the Sabbath is a created idea that God gave as a tool for us to follow, not a rule for us to fail at, all right? And so here, God is, God is saying this, 
Uh, have you ever gotten to the time in your life where, where you just need a snow day and you, you wonder why, or, you know, what is happening in Pennsylvania that it doesn't snow anymore? And man, three feet of snow right now would feel great because I really need a snow day with my kids. I want to drink hot chocolate, not brownies. They're demonic, but, but just like good, the, the good stuff, stay keto. And I, I just want to stay home with my family. I want roads to be closed. I want grocery stores to be closed. I even want the electricity to go out. I want us to have to make a fire in the middle of my living room. Let's go simple here, all right, and let's just be together. Have you ever, have you ever wanted one of those days? Well, God has given us one of those days a week to serve us as a tool, not a rule. Um, I, I was uh, on a hunting trip weeks ago in Georgia. I was visiting a, a dear friend of mine that invited me and my brother down. And uh, my brother Philip had just gotten two deer. All right, they went back to take care of those deer. And my friend Rob, um, he, he's, he's living in the South now, so he's kind of talking country. And he says, Nathan, he goes, he goes, get over here. He goes, I want you to pack light. He goes, take a bottle of water, your rifle, and a sidearm. I'm like, dude, this, is, this sounds great, right? And he goes, I'm going to send you to the sanctuary. I'm like, come on. The sanctuary was a five-hour five hike through 1,400 acres of woods, all right? Um, it, it, he gave me some weird directions, like, I want you to walk 75 yards, all right? You're going to find a pile of coyote bones. And at the coyote bones, I want you to look up. You'll see a big leaf. And then I want, I'm like, I'm trying to take, keep track of all this stuff. And he's giving me this stuff. So anyway, he sends me into the, the, the sanctuary. I, I'm, I'm no longer hunting. I'm, I'm surviving. All right, and I'm navigating, I'm just trying to get out the whole time, all right, but he, he sends me in here, and the, here's, here's what happened to me, is I, I walked into the thickest woods that I had ever been in, all right, didn't know where I was going, I could talk to God, I could literally hear my heartbeat, I, 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 could, I could hear things I haven't heard in forever, like, there's, you didn't even hear an airplane flying in the sky, the, the woods were so thick, it was dark in the middle of the day, all right. And I'm walking through the woods, and I really don't know where I'm going. The whole coyote bones, big leaf kind of thing just didn't help. I'm trying to navigate through the woods five hours, all right? And I did. But I want to tell you, I came out. It was, it was five hours. that I haven't had five silent hours where all I hear is, is the, the crunch of leaves under my boots as I walk and myself breathe forever forever. I'm telling there's something that happens when you, when you recognize that Sabbath is a gift that needs to be operated in daily and weekly because there needs to be times in your life where you hear yourself breathe, where you can be honest, where you don't have distractions, you don't have your phone, and, it's, you know, and, and you are, it is just you and God, and God loves to do business in the sanctuary, in the quiet, and he wants, to get to your, he wants to get to your soul. Literally, guys, I came out feeling a little bit more like a man, all right? I got, got to be honest, traversing stuff that I didn't know I could, all right? But I came out different than I went in. And it was because I was quiet with God for a while. I was quiet with God for a while. And this, this is something that we're so missing. We're so missing. I, I was on a, you want another hunting story just real quick? I was on a duck hunt. And we had this guide. He's the best swearer I've ever heard in my life. He was great. I was, I was actually going to take notes. Like, man, that's a creative way to say that. But that is really great. And we were just, we were just laughing at him and stuff. And we, it was in Chincoteague, Virginia. And my brother Philip and I were sitting on his boat. And we were just, just, you know, waiting for geese and brant and all this stuff to fly over. We didn't get anything. But I remember when we watched the sunrise, Philip and I flipped out. We were just enamored with the beauty of God. 
and we just started, just kind of, we were just talking like, oh my gosh, like, man, you get to see this every day? This is, wow. And he was like, I don't understand you guys. He guys, he says, you guys aren't talking about getting your duck limit. You're talking about the sun. And Philip and I could just talk and laugh and just minister to this guy's heart for a moment because he wasn't used to talking to people that were otherworldly, you see. All right? They actually love to see God in creation more than shoot sweet little precious fluffy ducks. All right? Listen, when you, when you are alone with God and you're, you're going to start getting enamored with, with, uh, with his creation, and listen, on a Sabbath day, you walk slower. You take stuff in. I was on a bike ride with my, my wife and my daughters uh, over the summer, and we, we were riding a bike, so the pace was slower, and we were riding in Gettysburg, and we actually got to stop because we found two uh, baby deer in spots, and we just got to stand there. We walked up to them. They weren't afraid of us, and we got to talk to them. We're like, grow big antlers. You know, we're just saying things like that. <laughs> but then the other, other uh, cars were driving by and, and missing what we were enjoying, okay? Sabbath is to stop and listen. Here, here's, here's the primary goal in, in Sabbath is let delight fill your body from your feet to your head. And everything in between. Just let delight go. We have to be people of delight again. We have to be people that are ruled by our hearts and our hearts are delighted in God. This, this, has, this, is, what, this is what Sabbath is for. This is what we are to do. And so here's, here's an action plan, guys. Here's, here's four things to do if you want to start operating in Sabbath. And let me just give you all four and I'll talk on them. Then we'll pray and we'll see what God wants to do. But number one, stop. Let there be a time where you just stop and you get quiet. Put your phone to the side resist every urge to talk to it and, and preach to your heart, Jesus is better than my phone. I would rather have him than that. All right? And break ties with what is a, a, a widely accepted idol of our day. All right? It's just an accepted idol. And break ties with, with the digital entertainment and just stop and just, just be. Do you know how the, when, when Jesus ascended to the Father, do you know how the disciples were recognized by the people? Is that they'd been with Jesus. They'd been with Jesus. There has to be a be with factor that the church is operating in. When we walk into the world, man, people are like, those guys are different. They're, they're, carry, they're, they're carriers of the presence of Jesus. All right, so stop. The second is rest. And by, what I mean by rest is not just lay around, but rest, rest in God is doing what actually replenishes you, not what drains you. So make a list of all the stuff that, that you and Jesus love to do together, you and your family love to do together, and just, just stop doing what drains you and do what replenishes you. Good meals. No brownies, uh, but good meals, all right? And just do what replenishes you. I promise you God will meet you there. The third thing is delight, all right? Listen, uh, it, it, take bike, bike rides. Uh, look for baby deer. Don't, uh, don't miss a thing. Just, just enjoy the blessing, the grace of God in every single uh, day. Uh, re read a good book that's going to turn your heart on, all right? Have conversations with your family. Actually have a meal where you sit at the same table, device-free, and you talk to each other for an hour, for an hour, it, it must be done. This is how the world did it for millennia. And here today, we, we have lost what is easy to have. Okay? So delight. And then contemplate. Okay? There's lots of different streams in Christianity. Um, and different streams need different things. Here's one thing that I, I believe that the charismatic stream really, really needs. I say evangelical stream needs the Holy Spirit. But the charismatic stream needs to contemplate. All right? 
We actually, we actually need to know what it is to go hard here and then to go slow at home. Journal. Read. Think. All right? Be. Slow. Breathe. Sit in the prayer room for five hours and just be there. And if, if sparks don't fly, at least you've just been with God. All right? So stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. I got those from a guy named Peter Scazzaro. So those aren't mine. Those are his. All right? But I, I just want, to, want you to hear this, that we need rhythms that actually prepare us for a coming revival. All right? And, when, and I can already feel revival coming in significant ways. I really can. Hunger's coming. Man, I just feel like, I feel like this is going to be a year where, where we're going to see so many people come to Jesus. I sense God is doing great things. And, and as it happens, I want us to have sustainable rhythms so it can last more than two weeks. Okay? I mean, I want revival as a way of life for the rest of my life. That's what I want. And so we need rhythms that help us steward it and, and, uh, and sustain it, not just enjoy it for a quick blast, but I mean, just like, let, let's turn let a revival lifestyle, all right, is what we need. We're operating from the, pre, uh, the presence of God and enjoying Jesus as our greatest delight. So there, there's the stuff. How many of us want it, is the question. Do we want that? All right. All right. So let's just do this. Let's stand to our feet. And Heavenly Father, I just pray that as we're standing, man, I just suddenly just felt like a blast of your heart. <clears throat> just, man, I just felt your heart suddenly, God. I just felt your heart for people that were here that didn't listen to a word I just said. And they stood, though, because everybody else was. And I just felt you want them. And I just feel like there's people here that you just wish you weren't here. But I just want you to, I want you to hear you may not want God, but God surely wants you. So God, just in this quiet moment, just blast through all the clutter and just touch people right where they're at. I pray for busy people that have actually spiritualized their busyness and their toil as spiritual. I pray repentance can happen right now and that they would begin to operate in the rhythm of your heart, God. And they would start hearing the voice of Jesus say, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place so we can rest a while. I want to fill you up. I'm going to fill you up with supernatural strength, not, not man-made human power. So God, I just pray that these would be days of getting away with you. And then, Lord, I just, just pray for just everybody else. I pray that these would be revival days. I pray that these would be days, Lord, where you, where, uh, you return us to your heart and to life. I just pray that these would be days, God, where you do great, mighty, and marvelous things. And I pray, God, that these would be days where we sense your, your happiness, your love, and your affection on us as a church, God. And I pray, God, that, that as you pour this foundation, Lord, that we would be that much stronger to reach out with the love of Jesus to a lost, hurting, broken, dying world. God, and it's not going to happen in our strength. It's going to happen in yours. So use us as conduits of your strength as we tap into you, I pray. We, we bless you. We love being yours. We love being the church. And uh, we love that we've got a future and a hope named Jesus. We just bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.